has there ever been like coaches that have been like, oh, if you just take, <laughs> just take some fucking sauce, you're gonna be the next Ronnie Coleman or whoever. When I was a kid, any and all drugs were drilled in my head like bad, right? And I just, I just adopted that mindset. And being an only child and having actually a pretty good relationship with my parents, that was like the main thing that kind of deterred me from ever really considering it. Just hop on a cycle, but they haven't trained long enough or even been on a program or they're not consistent with their meals every single day. And then they get off the cycle and everything just goes away. If one time a week allows you to eventually progress to two, three, four times a week, then that one time a week had, had its purpose. All right, guys, episode of Anabolic Activities. We got the man over here, Jimmy House. I look up to this guy. This, this guy is strong as shit. He does bodybuilding. He does jujitsu. Yep. Black belt. Yep. And he's natty. So, uh -oh. yeah. All opposite <laughs> of me. Um, and yeah, this guy's just an absolute weapon. So, let's get into it. Awesome. All right, so tell me a little bit about your knee injury that you had a while ago that you rehabbed yourself and mm -hmm. didn't get surgery. I want to know a little bit about that since you just kind of put that out there on social yeah, media. Yeah, absolutely. So the main reason why I came is because Ansema invited me back to talk about my knee injury that I got about seven months ago. So my, one of my best friends and training partners, Austin Baker, and I were training for his Nogi Worlds Camp. <clears throat> and naturally... Anytime I've ever gotten injured in jiu-jitsu is after somebody announces this is the last wow. round of the day. Yep. So whenever somebody does that now, I automatically bounce out. <laughs> that is my yeah. calling to go. That's smart. But uh, yeah, so we're like last round, like yeah, last round for sure. And then uh, just normal round, you know, he's, he's a world-class black belt, so obviously very high level. Rounds get pretty intense. He went for an outside trip. He came in a little bit too high, whereas you're supposed to generally go down by the ankle to trip the person. He came into my knee. And when he came into my knee, I'm just gonna stand up here. He being about 270 pounds came into my knee here this way, which is where my PCL and ACL tore, I believe. My PCL tore fully and then my ACL tore partially. And then we both landed on the ground in this fashion with his body weight coming down on my knee like that which is what I believe uh, had three partial tears in my MCL as well as a fracture in my femur. Cool. So it was a whole bucket list of, of injuries that happened all at the same time, kind of. And when it happened, there's a video on my Instagram that you can steal, but screaming like, fuck, 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 God damn it, dude, fuck. Because literally, like, as it happened, I, I don't necessarily feel like there's a, a hell of a lot of pain, at least not more than you would think, but it was like a flash of everything that I want to do in my life, just like yeah. leaving for my, it was, a, it was an extreme uh, shock of fear out of nowhere. And so when that happened, I thought for sure like, oh, that's, that's the one, you know, the, everyone talks about the, the knee injury that ends their career. I was like, that's, that's the one, you know, yeah. there's no way. I'm like, dude, Austin's a ginormous person. Like he came in with all this momentum. We both landed at the same, it was like a double whammy. So I yeah. thought for sure that I was done. And then, He's like, all right, well, let's have you stand up. And I'm like, all right. And I stand up and he has my hands. And I thought for sure, as soon as I put weight on it, it was going to buckle. Um, but he took his hands off and I'm like, hmm, it's not buckling. And then I do one of these and I'm like able to stand on it. And I thought that was very strange, but I guess that was the first good sign. And I, and I ran with that. My friend drove me home that night, <clears throat> and while the adrenaline was still kicking, I was able to walk up the stairs by myself, which was shocking. 
And then I spent the next day and a half on the bed until I was able to get to the gym on a brace and then start doing my backwards walking. And from there, you know, I had trained a bunch of clients in regards to like rehabbing their knees and stuff like that from the basic knowledge that I obtained from watching Mark Bell's podcast and the different guests that he had on there and Ben Patrick and everything like that. And I just thought I'm going to do what I do with my clients, regress that to a point that I can actually do and say, fuck it, if Ben Patrick doesn't need surgery, knees over toes guy, then I don't think I do either. And so obviously I went to the doctors who did the x-rays, I get the MRI so I can get the specific injuries. But even during the time when I was waiting for the MRI and waiting for the results, my mindset the entire time was I'm going to be able to rehab this myself because there's enough free knowledge out there and there's enough examples out there of people that have been able to rehab their injuries on their own. And so when I thought about my injury, I didn't see why I was going to be any different, especially, especially because I was able to actually stabilize on the leg immediately after the injury. The, the two worst knee injuries that I've actually witnessed, one being my best friend, uh, I tore it. <laughs> Accidentally, obviously. Um, it wasn't, though. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It was actually. <laughs> uh, but it, it was that one, and then an- another lady at our old gym, she, like uh, the girl like landed on her like that. And both times, as soon as they try to stand up, it buckled and they like collapsed right away. So my thought process was because when I tore my best friend's ACL, I literally took my hand, tried to double leg him, and I just twisted his knee in slightly. And then his ACL blew, his lateral medial meniscus blew. And I'm like, dude, if my friend Austin, who's this just behemoth, launches himself into my knee, how the, how the hell am I supposed to expect to like be able to get up from this? So... But I credit that to all the knees over toes and mobility training that I did leading up to that moment, all the Nordic curls that I did and stuff like that. Yeah. And because of that, that was the green light to me that, that gave me the hope and the confidence I was going to be able to rehab it myself. Wow. Yeah, that's insane. That says a lot mentally, though. Like, like how were you doing? Did you ever just, did you ever, like, dip off or did you just go get straight? It sounds like you just got straight to I it. I got straight to it and... There's a lot of progress at first, as you might imagine. But that's also what I wrote on in regards to what I thought was going to be able to take me through and not need surgery. Because the entire time, it's like, okay, I really think I don't need surgery. And then you hit those points where maybe progress slowed down a little bit or you can't do something specific you want to do. And you're just like, fuck, do I need surgery? Like, maybe maybe I do actually need it. Like, maybe I do need it. And my general opinion on that is, is that I think there's probably certain injuries that the better option ends up being to get some type of surgical repair. But I do think there are a lot of instances where surgery is recommended, but I don't necessarily think it's always necessary. And I think I ended up maybe just barely scratching through as one of those, those instances, you know, like three torn ligaments and a fractured femur. The doctor immediately told me before the MRI even come back that I was going to get surgery. Oh, we'll get you in surgery. We'll get you all repaired and, and stuff like that. And I, I was just very, let's just say, blissfully ignorant from the beginning. I'm like, I'm not getting surgery. Good luck with that one, you yeah. know? Yeah. And uh, one thing I should probably do is just go back to the doctors in AZ with, like, my MRI report. That would be, like, seven months late at this point and just be like, do you yeah. think I need surgery, sir? Is like, like, do a reverse Nordic or yeah. a sissy squat or something. Right, right, right. You know? So... I think the only thing really left to do at this point is to get a maybe an MRI again, just see like what injuries are still persisting in the knee. But as far as overall performance goes, I can sprint, I can jump, I can do jujitsu again, specifically with New Wave, which is the best team in the world. 
And then deadlift just recently, 815, my most recent PR. So oh, the yeah. knee is holding up relatively well, considering, you know. So I, I'm happy with the progress, man. Yeah, that's insane. That's amazing. Thank though. you, man. That's I appreciate amazing. it. Sorry to interrupt this podcast, but if you want a big neck like me, strongneck.com and use code anabolic to save money. You can do it this way, this way, and this way. This is very portable and you can do it anywhere. Like here. Or here. Or right here. So if you want a big, juicy, thick neck like Mike Tyson, Kurt Angle, the legends, go over to strongneck.com, grab a strong neck and start doing this. There's no excuse, you can do it anywhere, in the kitchen, in the gym, at work, on your lunch break, wherever. And you can wear jeans like me. <laughs> So you do a lot. You've done bodybuilding, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm a bodybuilder. Yep. I love bodybuilding. Um, I'm not natural, and I'm always open about that. So we took different routes, but I just mm -hmm. want to know how you got started in that, and then we'll get into the other stuff. Yeah, honestly, for me, bodybuilding isn't necessarily a passion, but when I was a teenager and I went through like my first actual like diet or, or cut, per se, and I started showing some actual definition, a lot of the people at the commercial gym I went to at the time either asked me if I and competing or if I wanted to compete and I had never really had the thought of doing so until they started asking me and because powerlifting at the time wasn't nearly what it is now bodybuilding was kind of the most well-known outlet of competition when it came to like the gym right. and me being a competitor and wrestling and everything and everything else I did leading up to that point I was like okay well shit maybe I can you know it was the first time in life I really saw Definition. I have a little shithead friend over there who used to make fun of me for being too bulky in high school. He said that uh, I was too bulky and I wasn't going to get girls. So that, that really resonated with me. And not only did I end up getting more girls than him, but uh, I actually finally got lean for the first time. I like that. I've that seen one. pictures of you bulk. I've seen pictures of you in your off season when you bulk. Oh, yeah, you yeah. look like inflated. It's quite different, yeah. Yeah, you look inflated. That's insane. It's because I'm gluten intolerant. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, uh, so so they started recommending me that and then that's when I started kind of diving down a bodybuilding rabbit hole for honestly no more than like a couple years, you know, okay. and so I did my first bodybuilding show shortly after turning 17. Uh, I, won, I won the bodybuilding show and became Mr. Teen Arizona, which I mean, there's only a couple of competitors, but that was the label. So, you know, that's what we're going to ride with on yeah, IG. Yeah, yeah, it counts. And, yeah, <laughs> it counts, bro. And, and then after that, that was, that was such a – just bodybuilding is tough, man. And, and every sport has its own degree of toughness. But, like, bodybuilding is tough in the sense that you, you go into it knowing, like, guaranteeing suffering for a prolonged period of time. And – at the time, I did it specifically to actually benefit me for my senior year of wrestling. I was like, if I do a bodybuilding show going to my senior year, I can, I can guarantee nobody else did that. So then I have that mental edge knowing that I worked harder than everybody else. That, that was the draw to it for me. Because right. um, I also could have just waited until after I graduated high school. But I thought, you know, if I do this like right now in this moment, there's no one else in the state of Arizona that I'm going to go against. I did a bodybuilding show my senior year. Right. So that, and that did very well for me. Won my first 40 matches until I got injured the week before state. And, you know, I, I felt like I really did have a mental edge over the opponents. But I didn't necessarily have that passion for bodybuilding after I graduated until I went through two and a half years of powerlifting. Went from 
195 in high school to 270 fat. <laughs> 270? Yeah, a big boy. Uh, fast food like nearly every day, almost twice a day. And, a, and like a girlfriend we ate out all the time. Went up to 270. And then I was like, wow, I really don't like being 270 at 5'9". So let's <laughs> do something to lose weight. And then that's when I walked on the treadmill at an incline, steady pace, just like yeah, all my bodybuilding yeah. friends did. I'm like, wow, this fucking blows. Yeah. So then let's actually do something that makes more sense. And then let's do jujitsu because yeah. I hadn't wrestled in a long time, but I had a few friends that did jujitsu. So basically I just, that's when jujitsu came about simply because I wanted a more fun weight to lose weight, you know, and, yeah. and make it more applicable to what I did in high school. Wrestling was I would say my, uh, one of my first true loves when it comes to athletics and, and jujitsu was the closest cousin to that. And I ended up liking jujitsu much more and doing much more with it. And then after losing 80 pounds, 270 down to two nine or 190, I was like, okay, maybe I can do a bodybuilding show again. Cause that's when I found out about natural bodybuilding and you know, everything's about labels, right? So then when I found out that you can get a pro card in natural bodybuilding, I'm like, okay, that's appealing. Cause I, I realistically, like my genetics are, are pretty good, but I don't think they're good enough to get me an IFBB pro card, natural, you know, at least. And so I was like, okay, well, INBA has it, OCB, different things like that. I think it could do a lot for my, my business as a coach, and I think it could just do a lot for me in general, saying I, I reached a quote-unquote pinnacle of natural bodybuilding on my second bodybuilding show. So then I competed in a show in Arizona, got the pro card. I, I qualified for the natural Olympia, but I ended up, I ended up not doing it. Just because, like I said, it just didn't, the passion for bodybuilding isn't necessarily there for me. Yeah. I yeah. do, I, I would like to do another one, maybe in, within the year or, or two years or so, just to oh, see yeah. how the physique has improved. Mm -hmm. But yeah, bodybuilding wise, I've only done two shows. I got my pro card in the second show and then I haven't competed since. Okay. So I have a question. What made you, have you ever been tempted to take anything? I'm sure somebody like, because for me, I probably, I, I don't have the, the same amount of, uh, I, I feel like I was just made, not guided wrong, but I, I'm a little bit more like, uh, fuck it. I hate to say it, but I'm just like, yeah. you know, I'm going to do, I want to be an IFBB pro. That's my, that's my dream. So like, I don't know. I feel like, has there ever been like coaches that have been like, oh, if you just take, <laughs> if you just take some fucking sauce, you're going to be the next Ronnie Coleman or whoever. Cause that's what happened to me. And then that's kind of how I got into it but if, if by coaches you mean 53 year old softball players at eos back home then yes okay <laughs> yes. all right all right hey all bro right. you uh ever thought about trying some i'm like yeah no i haven't but yeah, yeah <laughs> I you appreciate probably look better than all of them too no. so have <laughs> so, you been tempted like have you ever has it ever crossed your mind because i've asked in SEMA and mm -hmm. he's like not really like it like the look maybe like oh if i took something i wonder how i'd look but not really like sat and thought about like okay I'm, maybe i'll do this so my honest answer is, is curiosity <clears throat> not even uh from the physique standpoint more, more so from the strength standpoint where okay. you know you see the various powerlifters that have really blown up over the years and obviously they're open about their usage and I think to myself, like, well, if my number is currently here, natural, and they're here, and they're making all this noise and doing all this stuff for their career, the curiosity is there from a standpoint of, I wonder how well I would respond and, you know, how much my list would go up, et cetera. Yeah. But it's never gone past curiosity, to be quite honest with you, you know, because it, it, it just started, honestly, it just kind of like, it was how I was raised. And it's not even to put into question how you were raised. It's just more so like, 
when I was a kid, like any and all drugs were drilled in my head like bad, right? And yeah, I just yeah. I just adopted that mindset. And being an only child and having actually a pretty good relationship with my parents, that was like the main thing that kind of deterred me from ever really considering it. And it was actually kind of funny because when I was 16, I'm doing the first bodybuilding or 17 doing the bodybuilding prep. I was so blissfully ignorant to how common uh, gear usage is in bodybuilding because I remember one specific case where there, there was this guy that he had a great physique, but we're under the same nutritionist essentially. And I had come to learn that I don't think the diets were too much different. Uh, but I would come in after having two wrestling sessions, an another cardio session on top of that, and a lifting session. I'm seeing this guy get shredded and shredded and shredded and shredded. And I'm, and I'm like making like slow progress. And I'm just like, ow, like what am I doing wrong? You know, all yeah. this stuff. And I later come to find out like how common it is and it just how different it is, you know? And, and that's, that's fine and that's, that's expected. I just, at the time, I, was just, I just didn't know how common it was. But looking at it now, I'm, I'm very content and confident in what I've been able to do without it. And I've already kind of established myself by not doing it and, and just kind of like showing what can be done without it. And that's where I've kind of appreciated where I've fallen into the fitness industry as far as like developing a niche for myself. And so that's why I've never necessarily like gone any farther past curiosity and actually seriously considered it. Yeah. Um, despite what everybody wants to comment down below, but you know, it's uh, that's, that's, yeah. that's generally like what it's been for me, just curiosity more than anything. Yeah, yeah. You made a. I heard you talking to my buddy Jake the other or yesterday about like how how much you could benefit, how much most people could benefit from just an actual whether it's a strength program, hypertrophy, like and and just kind of milk all those gains before you even think about touching mm -hmm. anything. Which I've been training since I was like what twelve, mm -hmm. and I still feel like looking back, I'm like you're probably right. That's pro I probably should have I I could have got a lot more out of it. So fast forward to like jujitsu, and correlate that mm -hmm. to strength training, powerlifting. Like how does that work? Because I don't see I'm not in the jujitsu world at all, mm -hmm. but I don't I see like a couple guys like Giovanni. He's jacked, but he's not like as jacked as you or Encima, mm -hmm. and he's not as strong as you guys. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, is there is there like a, a ceiling like you were kind of talking about yesterday where it's like you don't need to necessarily progress any of your lifts for like how much is that going to benefit you? How much right. does it benefit you? Yeah. So my, my main advantage is basically having I'm 27 now. So 22 years of lifting experience under my belt. Right. And so through 22 years of lift, lifting experience. You would expect and hope that I'm stronger than the majority of jujitsu people, even if they are on yeah. gear, yeah, you know, yeah. right? And so with that said, a lot of times, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with now <clears throat> where you see some of the top guys in the sport do so well and they have amazing physiques and they're very strong in comparison to their competition tandem that with the fact that a lot of people haven't done strength training and jujitsu until just recently. And I think the, the feeling of lack of time or lost time rather pushes people to jump into something like that before they necessarily need it. And so because like, think about where you're at and think about from 12 to where you are now, like all the trials and tribulations you've gone through trial and error, all the different things that you've learned, 10 years to accumulate that. And you could go 10 years from now, look back and be like, wow, I really didn't know what the fuck I was doing. You know, yeah. that's, 
that's how I feel about myself. And it's essentially how I should feel 10 years from now. Like, wow, I really didn't know what the fuck I was doing back then. And so for a jujitsu guy to want to be the best in the world and then also be very strong in his weight class and then have to learn all the different things that go into actually building strength over a period of time, that's a lot, especially if you don't have a coach that actually knows what they're doing. And I think that what kinda, that's what kind of drives people to take the quote-unquote shortcut in the sense that they don't necessarily have to go through years and years of proper strength programming or educate themselves on the matter. And what I was talking about yesterday with uh, your friend was just basically, I think the majority of people probably start a little bit sooner than they need to. But the problem with that is, is that how do you really know when is too soon at the same time too? Because I'll give you from my perspective where I've been lifting for over 20 years and then at the same time, I'm 27 now and that's like generally like an age where people talk about like decline or maybe the very start of it. Uh, But I'm still making progress in in a bunch of different areas, strength, hypertrophy, athleticism. And so I never haven't necessarily felt myself slow down. So like I could start tomorrow on a cycle and I could make the argument like, I think you started too soon, bro. You didn't even max out your natural potential. So for me, I don't even know where that is. and, And none of us really do. I think and I'm not even an expert to talk on the matter, but I would say if a jujitsu guy is watching and you're referencing some of the best in the world that openly talk about it, it's not that you'd be in the wrong to consider it, but I would, I would f- exhaust further your other options that are safer, much more in your control, et cetera, such as hiring a coach, like invest the money that you might spend on something else into a coach and let's see how far you can go just by a regimented program. Diet, rest, proper supplementation outside of gear, obviously, for the meantime. All those different elements that would essentially help you a lot right off the bat. Going from not lifting at all into jumping on a cycle and then trying to start lifting, like, will you progress? 100% yes, but you add too many variables in at one time they're not necessary. And then at a certain point, maybe a year or two into it, then it's hard to progress because you, you threw all your, your eggs in one basket at the beginning. So really, if you're missing strength training and you want to get stronger, add that single variable in. If you had a bad diet, add that in over time, bad sleep schedule, boom. And then after all that, if you feel like I'm just, I'm just too far behind, then, then maybe it's time to talk to, to talk to an expert and consider taking that next yeah. step. You know? Yeah, because you've helped program and coach that are enhanced for mm-hmm. sure. Like they, they'll do exactly that. They'll just hop on a cycle, but they haven't trained long enough or even been on a program or they're not consistent with their meals every single day. Mm-hmm. And then they get off the cycle and everything just goes away. I'm like, well, that's not really what's supposed, that's, I mean, that shouldn't happen. If right. You- if you're if the sleep the nutrition and everything else is on point the training like you're not that's that shouldn't happen mm-hmm. so like i see that even with people that are like trying to take a bunch of shit i'm just like it, it the same rules apply to natty not natty i just think it's a little bit a little bit of an advantage but going to the jujitsu thing this might be a selfish question but mm-hmm. i've been super interested and trying to mix in some jujitsu would just get started. Sweet. I saw Andrew did his first comp and mm-hmm. I was like, that's, that looks fucking sick. Uh-huh. So I'm, I've been like up and down with it the whole last couple, two months, but I'm like, what would you, what would be the first step? Like 
I'm bodybuilding, so I'm not really, I'm not doing like strength movements really. Mm -hmm. I'm just doing hypertrophy. I'm eating. I'm in an off season, my first like real off season right now. So I'm trying, I talked to Mark about it. He isn't really, he's not in it. So I'm mm -hmm. like, do I, like, what would you recommend basically to somebody starting? But my main thing is bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. So I'm like I'm trying to figure out where it would where I could toss it in. Cause when I talk to you, Jake and Seema, Andrew, they're like, oh, we do this like X amount of times a week, right. if not every day. I'm like, okay, but I can't, I don't think I'd be able to do it mm -hmm. every single day. So would it be on an off day? How taxing is it? Like, what do I need to look out for? So how would you yep. set that up? If you were coaching me, like, how would you set that up? I guess, just like, if you can even explain that. Yeah, all. yeah, exactly. So Think of jujitsu, it, it's a training modality at the end of the day. So whether you're a bodybuilder that does bodybuilding training and you add in something as simple as walking outside with your dog, you might, after day one of that, feel like, oh damn, my legs are kind of tired. Like, you know, there, there's some after effects. After a week of walking your dog every single day, you may not feel that after your body adjusts. Jujitsu, a little bit more extreme, but you can approach it in the same way in the sense that like, if you took your general bodybuilding routine and you looked at it and you're like, okay, well, I'm taking days A and B off or on this day and this day, it's a little bit lighter training. So it's not as taxing on my body already. So I might be able to fit in a jujitsu session. With that said, most gyms will have levels of jujitsu sessions. Like I would say most gyms have some sort of beginner's class. That's probably the least taxing, some sort of reg, like all levels class. That's probably a little bit harder, but nothing crazy. And then a lot of gyms will have some type of competition class, which is gonna be obviously most intense. And so just like you would progress yourself in bodybuilding or powerlifting or anything else, you can take those same progressions in jujitsu. You start with a beginner's class a week, builds to two. Maybe after two beginner's classes, you go two beginner's classes and a regular class. Okay. And that answer can only be specified to the individual in, a, in accordance to your schedule, to your body's work capacity, to your body's work capacity as it builds up over time, all these different things. So that's where it's also kind of important to have somebody that's uh, experienced and knowledgeable to be like, okay, well, if you're feeling this good after two sessions, if you want, you could probably add another one in, that type of thing. If you okay. feel like you're having diminishing returns from the matter, then it's a matter of, okay, where can we regress either in our bodybuilding intensity or the jujitsu intensity to make them mesh out a little bit more evenly. So, and my biggest advice to most beginners and most beginners aren't coming from a, a high level bodybuilding background. But what I say is that most people, when they start jujitsu, they try to go like gung ho from the very beginning. And I can't tell you how many times in my coaching experience, about four years where I've seen somebody come in and they're super consistent right off the bat. And they make a lot of progress and they seem to enjoy it, but somewhere between month one and two, they just completely fall off. And I rarely ever see them again, or maybe I'll see them in like five or six months. Yeah. And so that's like the thing that you want to avoid. And for and each individual obviously has their specific reasons, but I would say in most cases, somebody that is not conditioned to grappling goes in, maybe they really enjoy it, but they go too hard. They occur some type of injury or you know, life happens and they lose motivation or whatever the case may be, probably just because they gave themselves too much from the get-go. So with you, because you're so passionate about bodybuilding, that's your number one goal, that's your priority, you can add something in like jujitsu as a hobby and keep it at a hobbyist frequency, still enjoy it, still benefit, learn a new skill, but also not have a detriment to your main priority. Okay, perfect, thank you. So mm -hmm. that's pretty simple, just 
basic progression. Yeah, basic thought, progressions. Yeah, okay. Because I was like, everybody I talked to, I'm like, all right, I guess I got it. It's kind of got. I got to do it. I can't just do it one day a week. That's not really going to do much. But now that you said that, I mean, it's pretty simple. Yeah, I mean, I it's think, easier than I than right. I thought. A lot of <clears throat> a lot of times I get in this mindset too, like, oh, if I'm only doing something once a week, like, what is it really worth it? Probably yeah. more worth it than not doing it at all. At right. the very least, like you can make that argument. So. If one time a week allows you to eventually progress to two, three, four times a week, then that one time a week had, had its purpose. Yeah. Where even in my knee rehab, I found myself at points where like uh, I would get lazy on a certain rehab movement or I just wouldn't do it for a couple of weeks because the one time a week that I had to do, I'm like, well, if I can't do this three times a week, then is it, is it even worth it? Yeah, and then yeah. going back to advise myself now, it's like, well, Probably because I mean, even if you're doing one time a week, that's still one more time that you would have done it had you not done it at all. So it's the same for jujitsu, and it's the same for everything else. I think I think life in general is all about proper progressions or regressions, for that matter. If you need to regress to progress, then that's obviously a, a great way to go about just making yourself better in life. Same applies for bodybuilding or jujitsu. And I think each individual thing, bodybuilding, powerlifting, jujitsu has their ways to progress if you like really take the time to just think about it. But it's not even that taking the time to think about it is difficult. It's just very basic. You just apply principles and concepts and it's the same thing for bodybuilding, you know, and, and jujitsu. It's all it's all the same at the end of the day. Okay. Okay. So every time I see somebody that's as jacked as you, I ask them, what do you eat? Cause in SEMA, talk to in SEMA and SEMA eats one meal a day, a big ass meal, and then I talked to like Stan Efforting a couple times, mm -hmm. and his advice to me was like, the the meal, getting your meals in is absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I want to ask you, what do you what do you eat? What does a full day of eating look like for you? Okay, so here here's my opinion <clears throat> on that is, I I am going on a limb to say that I'm I bet every single Jack person on earth has probably never eaten the same their entire life, like how I ate when I was. 15, putting on muscle is different than I ate when I was 20, getting yeah. up to 270 versus different than how I eat now, trying to like maintain a lean body mass right under 200, right? Yeah. So it's like you could switch between dieting strategies and come to find one that you like or come to find one that you like in that current point of time. But that's where like the dieting process is just accumulative over, over the years because it's like I ate like shit when I was a teenager for the most part, but obviously I put on a fair amount of muscle doing that, so that, that, that added. And then, you know, I cleaned up my diet a little bit junior and senior year when I got really into bodybuilding, so that added a little bit. And then when I started powerlifting, I ate like a fucking jackass for two and a half years and I gained 70 <laughs> pounds. Yeah. But I probably added at least like two pounds of muscle during that 68-pound uh, fat increase. And after losing it, you know, cleaned up my diet a little bit more. I went through my phases of getting to like 250 and down and 240 and then down. Didn't have the cleanest diet during that time either. Like maybe it'd be like three to six months out of the year where I would eat well and then fall off again. Now my answer to your question would be like the majority of what I eat is like red meats or ground beef. And I switch between quinoa, white rice, sweet potatoes, etc. like eggs. Um, I, I more recently switched to uh, somewhat of a gluten-free diet in the sense that I found that gluten in general makes me react a lot and I hold a lot of water. I get really inflamed like more than you're probably your average person. So I've tried to eliminate that just for overall how I feel and how I look. But to answer your question, 
majority, what I do now is like red meat and I feel pretty good on it and I feel like my strength and everything feels good. But this, this body of work, even including my 15 inch calves has been just a mixture of lifting for 22 years mm. and, and uh, eating Jack in the Box and Hot Pockets and, and some healthy meal prep from time to time. <laughs> yeah, man, no, I relate to that because when I was <clears throat> bulk and I was eating, like I told you yesterday, watching those CT yeah. Fletcher videos, I was eating everything. Like, right. Just dis it was disgusting. And then senior year, got into bodybuilding mm -hmm. like you and got shredded. And then from there, I was just like, all right. I still fell off here and there, but then I got a coach, and now I'm like, all right, now I'm good. Mm -hmm. Joe Sullivan That's awesome. is my, is That's my awesome. nutrition coach, so he's taught me a lot of things already. So, yeah. But what's the next – what's the focus? Is it all in jiu-jitsu right now? Is that the main goal? No, I've always been a person that has typically a lot of different goals just because I, I, I like to consider myself relatively versatile. And oh, so yeah. between jiu-jitsu and a hobbyist – kind of thing in bodybuilding, whatever you want to call it, powerlifting, and then my new aspirations in professional wrestling, as well as just being an entrepreneur and a coach and everything like that. Jiu-jitsu is, if I was being quite honest with you, is the thing that I'm the most passionate about because it's the thing that I think is the most challenging, especially being on New Wave now, being with the best guys in the world, you start to realize how much you don't know. And, and there's something about that that like makes me want to just be better so yeah. I so I yep. so I don't have as much of a gap but at the same time too I also think that just completely stopping powerlifting when you know I just broke the 800 mark for deadlift or stopping bodybuilding when I'm still seeing progressions in my physique and uh stopping pro wrestling when you know I I feel like in in a lot of ways and maybe it can be a different podcast but that's part of my calling I think that would be just kind of silly just to give up on different things that I think I have potential in just to see one through. Right. And I, I get asked this all the time. It's like, well, do you think that you could do even better if you made X, Y, and Z your full-time thing? Probably. Statistically, I probably could, yeah. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not sure how, it, how I would feel knowing that I'm at a prime point in my life where strength, athleticism, cognitive function is at a whole-time high, and I just limit myself to one or two things. Yeah. And in my past, too, whenever I have done like one or two things, high school, when you do a sport all year round or when I just did powerlifting or whatever the case may be, I found that I just get tired of it. I burn out within a couple years, typically. But ever since I started doing all these different things, one kind of complements the other. And it also lets me kind of de-stress from the other, which right. in my regard, I think it has allowed me to progress and all of them consistently because I've found a way to not stop. Yeah, no, that's refreshing for sure. Cause talking to Seema for the last two, three years, I've known him talking to you. Well, you guys both are rare. I feel like in the fitness industry, cause I don't see too many people doing all the stuff you guys do. Thanks man. But I, I feel the same way. I'm very, I love bodybuilding, but like I've talked to Mark multiple times, different podcasts, like I want to be, I want to progress my vertical. I want to do, I want to be able to move side That's to awesome. side, jump, yeah. sprint. Like I do not want to be just like, I want to be functional. I yeah. don't want to just build a bunch of muscle just to step on a stage and flex for yeah. like 13 seconds or mm -hmm. whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like, so to me, that's huge. Just being able to pick your brain and Seema's, like even my boss, Casey, he's natty. He's like, how, 
in his 50s. He does boxing. He Damn, lifts. That's awesome. He runs. He does all this different type of stuff. So that's awesome, it's definitely man. impressive. So I definitely look up to you guys in that sense. Thanks, for sure. I appreciate it. Look up so, to you, too. Uh, yeah. He's a, so, he's a goat, dude. Look at him. All right. That's it for today's episode of Anabolic Activities. We got the legend Jimmy House here. He gave me a nice shirt. Go to House Strong and go grab you one. Follow us on Anabolic Activities on Instagram and on YouTube. Drop a comment, leave a like, let us know what you think. And for you? For me, you guys can follow me on Instagram at jhouse182, TikTok, Jimmy underscore, underscore house, and then YouTube at Jimmy House. Thanks, guys. Make sure you go check out the last video we just put up. It's gonna be right here. Click that, it's gonna be right there. Let us know what you guys think, drop a like, drop a comment. Catch you guys later.